Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 14 of the Elevate podcast. The podcast that's out to document and elevate the human experience through conscious conversation. I'm your host, Hayden Humphrey, and I'm incredibly excited to be sharing with you my conversation with Brooke Elder. Brooke is the owner of Social Tenacity, a company that helps network marketing leaders to train their teams and sell through influence. Before starting Social Tenacity, Brooke worked as an elementary school teacher, but decided to take the leap when she realized she couldn't be the mom she wanted to be and teach at the same time. She took the leap into full-time consulting, working with bloggers, business owners, and network marketers to up-level their marketing strategies. She's now built a seven-figure business based in what she calls an arrows-out culture that focuses on giving more than receiving. In this episode, we talk about starting a business as an introvert, up-leveling your self-care and well-being, and how to stay optimistic and focused on opportunities in times of instability. As always, thanks so much for being here. It means a lot you've decided to spend your time with us, and I'm incredibly excited to share this episode with you. Brooke, welcome to the show. Thanks. Very excited to have you here. Um, in spite of current affairs and circumstances, yes. um, I'm glad uh, we were able to make the time to do this. I think you and I, I'm really excited. I've actually really been looking forward to this conversation. Um, you know, those people that you connect with and right off the bat, you're like, oh yeah, we're on the same wavelength. That's mm-hmm. how I feel about you. Yep, me too. <laughs> so I'm excited to dive in. Um, but how have you been? How's your week been? How's everything going for you? It's been going good. Like crazy enough, my life hasn't really changed that much. So when you already are a little bit introverted and run a business online and homeschool your kids, like, and have food storage prepared, like really you're good. <laughs> you're just hunkered down. Yep. I, uh, I felt the same way. I'm, I live in uh, Chicago and on Sunday, the governor announced that they were going to be closing all the bars and restaurants. And my assumption, you know, at the time of recording, what is this, March 13th, um, 2020, my assumption is that probably in the next two to three days, they're going to do like a full on like shelter in place, you know, ca- kind of deal. Um, and <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I work from home the majority of the time. I don't go out that often. <laughs> so it's like not really not, you know, not all that much has changed. Um, but, uh, but you know, it'll be interesting over the, over the coming weeks and, and months to see how things shift and mm-hmm. how we pivot or don't pivot, um, you know, as, uh, as online business owners. Um, and I'm super excited to, to talk about that with you and talk about the, the potentially new opportunities that, arise um, as a result of that. Um, but, but before we jump into all that, I gave folks in the intro a bit of a background about who you are and what you're up to, but um, I'd love to ask you directly, like, what are you up to? So really right now, so I'm a coach for network marketers. And right now I'm really focusing on how I can help them to be able to shift their business to be online mm-hmm. and to uh, get their business to use social media in the right way and not the spammy, like 
you probably don't get this because you're a guy, but as a girl, we get those like, hey, girl, hey, haven't seen you since high school, but you want to buy my product like all the time. So I'm on a mission to change that. <laughs> and I have gotten those before. I think it was uh, Amway, but probably mm-hmm. different than, you know, uh, the companies that you're associated with. Um, but uh, but that's cool. How long have you been involved in network marketing? Like, where did that start for you? So I started in network marketing back in 2009. So it's been a long time. I was like the typical story, stay-at-home mom. I had quit my job as an elementary school teacher and got super bored and needed adult interaction. So I joined a network marketing company because that's what you do. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So um, I did that for about almost 10 years. And then I started coaching network marketers how I built my business online. Nice. That's awesome. And did you before that have any experience with entrepreneurship or starting your business or like what had you feel called to starting a business and um, becoming an entrepreneur? So my first quote unquote business, I was in fifth grade and I made chocolate suckers and I sold them out of my backpack at recess. (laughs) I love it. So I always like have just loved to create things for people and sell them. And so even when I was doing network marketing, I started tons of other businesses, graphic design stuff. I taught myself graphic design when I was 15 and taught myself how to build websites. So I had a web design business that I had built up and then actually ended up selling that. So it's been, I've, I've had a lot of different businesses. Most of them didn't work out so well. But some yeah. of them did. <laughs> I feel like that's the game is just going out and starting things and then mm-hmm. learning what there is to learn and moving on to the next piece. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, the interesting thing too, like I, um, before I, so I, I left my full-time job mid 2017 and jumped into being self-employed and, you know, I hadn't made any money or done anything entrepreneurial before that. Um, I know that I'd always had an inkling towards it. Um, but once I, you know, went to college and got on the corporate track. That was like kind of the thing that became the future for me in a sense. Um, You know, but at the same time, I look back at when I was younger and I definitely see those same kinds of tendencies, like the wanting to create and the wanting to connect people. Um, And I, and I think that a lot more people would become entrepreneurs if they gave themselves more credit for how resilient and creative and, um, uh, you know, brilliant and outstanding they can be. I think a lot of times there's just like fear in this space about mm-hmm. how, like, how do I make this work? How do I, um, what are people going to think of me if it doesn't work out the way that I'd like it to? Um, you know, how do I, how do I write a contract? Like, how do I go out and get clients? Like all of these pieces that can be learned, but the fears um, or, you know, the disbelief in self stops people from making the leap. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, and even for me, it took, Uh, I had a mindset coach that I was working with Nice. and she told me, she's like, you should be a business coach. And I'm like, what? You know, it took someone else to tell me that I should do that for me to really look and be like, oh, I guess I do know a lot about that. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, What do you think has been the, I don't know, the word that I came up with was like secret sauce. Like, what do you think has been the thing um, for you, that's made the difference in supporting you to get where you are and now being in a place where, you know, you can go out and coach other people around generating that same kind of success. I think it's one, having a mindset coach has been Mm. like very, very valuable and any coach really, I've always had some sort of mentor to help me through it because I'm someone who I'm a little stubborn 
And I also am very strong-willed. <laughs> so I, when people tell me I can't do something, my response is, watch me. well, watch me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I've been that way since I was a little kid. So nice. like having someone to help me through that, to kind of direct that sometimes unbridled free will <laughs> has been really helpful. Mm-hmm. And once I see a path, like I'll just plow. So having someone to help you with that really helps because when I've, the times I haven't had a mentor, it's been like, oh, I could do this or maybe I could do that. I'm like, I can do this on my own. And then you kind of start to spin or move backwards a little bit and you need someone that can take that outside look at your business and what are you doing? Okay, this is the direction you need to head. Nice. It's interesting. You know, I, I work as a coach. I, I work with people a lot of times around mindset and I'm also a partaker of the work. Like I've worked with my own coach for the past two and a half years. Um, and it's just so interesting. I was actually talking about this earlier today on, on another podcast about how before I got into coaching, I considered myself and I still do to be somebody who's very introspective and reflective mm-hmm. and self-aware and yada, yada. And when I got into coaching and spent a couple of months in coaching and even looking back now, I'm like, it was baby steps. Like it was mm-hmm. baby steps for me comparatively to having somebody who's literally trained to be able to point out the things that are in my blind spots and, you know, create systems and structures that hold me accountable to going out and creating the things that I want instead of going back to what's comfortable, which is so often based in fear or stubbornness or things not going the way that I want them to. Yes, exactly. And pushing you to face those fears and face the things that you don't want to, but then once you do, it makes it like so many more things open up for you, you know, but it's really hard when you're just trying to like work with yourself to push yourself to go into that uncomfortable place because you don't want to, like our brains want to keep us safe and that's not a safe place. Yeah. It's like somebody having somebody hold the vision Mm -hmm. of what you said you wanted. And they're like, Hey, here's the path to go get it. And it requires you to do something scary. I think makes it so much more likely, you know, that you go out and um, create that. Um, One of the questions that I love asking uh, entrepreneurs, especially, you know, you think about the, mindset work that you've done, the beliefs that I, that you've rewritten, you know, the narrative in, in your own head that you've reinvented. Um, and thinking about this idea of like self-sabotage or how we get in our own way. Um, and I'd be curious for you, like, like what have been the ways that you have gotten in your own way and maybe continue to still get in your own way? That is a loaded question, I think. <laughs> <laughs> So all of us get in our own way. And I think a lot of it is just, you know, we're, we think we're on the right path and we think we know what we're doing, but our subconscious is actually like telling us, no, you need to stay safe. Like that's not where you need to go. So we think that we're stepping out of our comfort zone. We think that we're doing the things that we are supposed to be doing, but really we're totally missing the mark because we are self-sabotaging ourselves, you know? So (laughs) I've done that and, well, here's a great example. So in my market, I have like kind of two levels of people I can talk to. I can talk to the people who are like at those leadership levels and they have a team and they're trying to help those people, like help their downline and everything. And then there's the people who are just starting out. And those problems I understand really, really well and my heart goes out to them. And they're really easy to talk to, but really my target audience is the people who are the leaders. Mm. And so 
when I'm really, really focused on who it is that I serve and I focus on those people, I get really great results. But that also is a little bit more uncomfortable because it's a harder people to talk to, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there have been times where I'll start to default back to what's easy. Yeah. And I think that's what we always do. You know, I've seen it with people that I've coached too, that like they, there's the path that they need to go and it's going to stretch them and be a lot harder. So they default back to the path that it's a little bit easier, but then they're not getting the results that they want, you know? So that's a perfect example of self-sabotage. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, It's, you know, one of the intentions of this show is supporting people in seeing themselves in successful and really inspiring entrepreneurs. And one of the things that I, you know, I'm realizing more and more as I do this coaching work is everyone has a flavor of it. Like everyone has some flavor of self-sabotage or how they get in their own way or, you know, whatever it might be. And I think the opportunity is starting to look at it not as a right wrong, but just as something that's there. And once you actually start to love on that part of yourself, you can get responsible for it. Um, It doesn't become this source of shame or insecurity, but rather just like, hey, this is a part of the puzzle that I need to get responsible for. And once I have ownership over it and know where it shows up, I can choose something different, like Mm -hmm. actually empower a different way of being or a different behavior, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that, that it's just a piece of the puzzle that you're trying to figure out because Mm -hmm. then there's no right or wrong. There's no shame. There's none of that. It's, this is a great learning experience. And I take everything because I've done plenty of things wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So you can learn from those things. And then hopefully that wisdom, you can then pass on to other people and help them and just look at, like, I look at everything I'm learning right now is to help my current clients and my future clients, no matter what. So everything is just data and that's how we look at it. And then it makes it so that shame is all gone. I love that. You take all the interpretation out of it Mm -hmm. and the right, wrong judgment out of it. Um, And the the cool part about that too, and the thing I want to acknowledge you for is being committed to your own growth as a coach. You know, I think as coaches, like, you know, we can only take our clients as far as we ourselves have gone. (laughs) Uh, And so, you know, I think that just speaks to your commitment to yourself and to your clients and looking at like, how can I continue to learn the things that I need to learn and develop myself personally and heal the things that need to get healed so I can better serve them and support them in getting the results that they want to generate for themselves. Yeah, right. Exactly. Love that. Um, the piece that I was actually really excited to, to talk to you about was this brand. And I think it, from from what I understand, it it covers a couple of different things like a podcast and, and a couple of other um, pieces of your business. But this idea of authentic influence or the authentic influencer. Um, so I would love to hear a bit more about like where that came from, what that's about, like what does that mean to you? Well, when I first started in coaching network marketers and stuff like that. Like I looked like I knew what I was doing, but I didn't really feel like I knew what I was doing. (laughs) I think all of us are right there when you first start a business, you know? And so I was really looking for like, what is the thing that we can unify network marketers? Because there's such a bad stigma against like MLM and all of that. And so I wanted to come up with like a new brand for people who are building the business the way that is really authentic because sending out scripts and like sending the Hey Girl Hey messages, all of that, like that's not authentic, you know? Mm. And so I was looking for what are the, what are the things that network marketers really, really want? And they want to be authentic and they also want to have an influence. And so by taking those two things, I was like, well, they become an authentic influencer. Mm. And Mm. with that, it's, it's showing up 
to serve your community with whatever it is. Cause I feel like when, like, let's say that I become like a doTERRA rep, I am not just selling doTERRA. I'm selling everything that doTERRA can do. Mm -hmm. And so you can talk to your audience about all the different things that your audience needs. So if, um, like in doTERRA, I would focus on using oils for, uh, moms that have little babies, because that was the biggest thing for me when I started using essential oils is I had a little baby who had an ear infection and the doctors couldn't do anything, but it empowered me to be able to help my daughter when she had an ear infection that I could use oils on her and give her some relief. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when you have those powerful stories and you start talking to those people that are struggling with something that you have a powerful story over, mm-hmm. like that's how you grow influence. And when you're using your own stories, that's how you really are authentic. And people are drawn to that because mm. there's not enough of that out there. Totally. It's um, like the, the <laughs> it's, it's so interesting because I think that it's scary for a lot of people to bring their authenticity, like their full Mm -hmm. selves into their business. Um, And I completely agree with you. I think it's so necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, At least what I've realized is when I'm more focused on myself or my business or what my goals are or whatever it is, it turns into more of a transactional conversation or transactional marketing versus relationship oriented. Like how am I building a relationship with people? How am I really focused on serving them and supporting them and providing value to them and taking it up you know, the next level is how do I bring more of myself and the things that I'm struggling with and the things that I've overcome and like those bits and pieces into my story so that people resonate with it. They see themselves in it and they're that much more likely to reach out and start a conversation with me. Yeah. And when I teach, um, arrows in and arrows out marketing. Mm -hmm. So arrows in marketing is that like, what is it for me? Mm -hmm. And so you see posts like, Um, I'm only $500 away from hitting my goal this month. Who wants to buy something from me? That kind of thing. You know, that's arrows in marketing because everything is like, it's all about me. What can you do for me? And there's lots of marketing out there like that where arrows out marketing is more, what can I do for you? How can my story inspire you? What are the things that I have that can help you? And so when we have that arrows out marketing, it works so much better. And that really is more authentic. And it's so interesting because it, it almost feels at least my experience with it, it's it's been hard to let go of that in the beginning. It's almost like one of those counterintuitive things about mm-hmm. entrepreneurship and sales is like <laughs> talking about selling is actually probably the thing that's getting in the way of you selling right. <laughs> versus like being of service and providing value and like showing up and creating community for people. Um, but it's just counterintuitive. Like it just takes time to learn and experience to be able to um, like actually implement. Right. Well, and it's yeah. like if you if you know of a really awesome restaurant and you had a great experience there and everything like that, like you want to share it, not because like, you're like, Oh, these people are going to go and spend money on that. And I should feel guilty about that. You're sharing it because it's something that you really think would people would enjoy, you know, Mm. or if you found this awesome product on Amazon and you want to tell people about it, like that's the same thing as if you're talking about your own products, your own services. Cause when you find people who they're really struggling with something and you have something to offer, like if you're always coming from that place of value of like, Hey, I have this, I'm going to share. And it's almost like I used to teach my network marketing team this all the time. It's like offering someone a stick of gum. Like mm. they can choose to accept it or not. Mm. It's not up to you. And it's not going to hurt your feelings if they do or not. It's just, if they have stinky breath, they may need gum. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's here if you need it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, the other thing I was reading on your uh, one of your websites, I think it was your personal website, is you were talking about um, that you're more introverted, like you're a more introverted person, which is really funny because just connecting with you and talking to you, like I never would have expected that or suspected that. Um, <clears throat> so I'd be curious for you, like how has that impacted your life and your business? And I'll start there because there's more that I want to ask you about it. But okay. yeah, how do you think it's impacted your life and your business being an introvert? Well, like, I mean, if you ask anyone that I went to high school with, they probably no one knows who I am because mm. I was like the quiet girl in the corner, you know? Mm. Um, I wouldn't pick up the phone to order pizza because I'd have to talk to someone I didn't know. Like, that's the story I always tell because like, told truth, like I'd make my sister do it. Mm. <laughs> and like, I even remember going to the doctor and I was like probably 17 and there was something wrong. And my mom came with me and I was supposed to tell the doctor what was wrong. And I looked to my mom, like, no, you tell me, you know? <laughs> so I can't, I can't. it's amazing that I actually got married. Cause I was like too scared to talk to boys <laughs> and I, but I got married. So I ended up talking to them. <laughs> so I think at first it hindered me a lot because I didn't put myself out there, you know? Mm. Um, but when I, when I started network marketing, like you have to talk to people, you know? And so my first network marketing company I joined all, they were all about scripts. And so like, it was all I could do. I'd take deep breaths and then pick up the phone and I would just like read through the script. And it was horrible. Like I did not do very well in that business. <laughs> so after three months, I quit. I'm like, I'm never doing this again. But, um, a couple of years later, I joined another network marketing company and I did a lot of fairs and shows. Well, and to do that, like if you've been to any events that have like vendor tables, like everyone just walks past. And if you want people to stop and talk to you, you have Gotta to go talk grab to them. them, you know? So what I started doing is I started complimenting people because no one is going to be mad if love you compliment that. them. That's awesome. <laughs> so I was like, I love your shoes. Your hair is so cute. You look beautiful today. You know? So I would just come up with those and that got me practice to talk to people mm -hmm. and then like it would make them stop. And then we could have a conversation, you know, mm -hmm. and then it was fine. So mm -hmm. that's what really was the start of like helping me break out of the shell. Yeah. I love that. Um, starting with compliments, what a great way to practice being extroverted. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the interesting thing about extroversion or introversion rather, um, cause I also consider myself an introvert. Um, I don't know. Do you know your Myers-Briggs by chance? MBTI? Uh, I can't remember what it is. Something, something. something. Um, so, okay. So the, uh, my Myers-Briggs, I'm an INFJ. So technically introverted. Um, but when I get around the right people or when I'm on the kind of in the right environments, I can be super extroverted. So it's always really funny when people are like, what do you mean you're introverted? And I'm like, no, I swear I'm going to be exhausted. I'm going to do this mm -hmm. <laughs> interview and then I'm going to be exhausted afterwards and I'm gonna have to go be, you know, alone by myself. Um, but, uh, there's a book by Susan Cain. Uh, I don't know if you've read, it's called quiet. And it's basically no, about, it's a really great book. It's about the power of introversion. And it's just so interesting because, you know, there's this extrovert ideal in the U S and I was thinking about it and it was like, you know, I, um, I very, I don't think I've ever seen anyone describe themselves as an introverted extrovert. You're <laughs> everyone's either an extrovert or an introverted extrovert. 
Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's been looking at like practicing getting out of my comfort zone and, you know, being extroverted in the way that I need to, but also learning to love my introversion and like see it as a, as a value add. Um, so that's the thing I'd be curious for you is like, how have you seen introversion, you know, actually support you in your growth as an entrepreneur and a business owner? Well, I think when, especially the business social tenacity they have now, like when you are an entrepreneur, like you usually start as a solo entrepreneur and you are doing everything yourself. And for an extrovert, that's really hard because you're all alone. And I loved it. Like I can just come and like dive in and work on something and I don't need other people. Like Mm. it's totally fine. So I think that was a big key to my success so quickly and just being able to focus and get things done and be fine with being by myself. Yeah. The, um, I think the interesting thing about introversion too, right. Is like, there's a, uh, specific way to like recharge or different things that you need in terms of your own well-being and how you take care of yourself. Um, and so as you've seen your business grow and as you've seen your team grow, the amount of people that you work with, like how do you continue to take care of yourself and, almost look at like the next level of well-being and self-care? Well, I have a friend that she, when I very first started this entrepreneur journey, she said, you can't have a million dollar business without million dollar self-care. And I was like, Ooh, that's good. So that's always stuck with me. So as I want to grow my business, I make sure that my self-care grows too. Mm -hmm. And so And I remember her saying like, oh, I spend two hours every morning on myself. And I was like, two hours. hours. (laughs) And now I'm like, oh, I only have two hours. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I get up way before my kids. And like, I have this great routine that I follow every single day. And the days that I don't follow it, like I can tell I'm just a little bit off. I get more in my head, you know, when things stop working, like, I get more down on myself and, you know, so it, it really helps with your mindset to prepare you for the day. Yeah. There's like a certain level of resiliency, I think, Mm -hmm. and adaptability and agency that comes about when you take better care of yourself. Um, And I would be curious, like what sort of things does that include? Like in the morning or throughout the day, like what sorts of things are you actually taking on? So I do a meditation every single morning and there's an app called insight timer that I've been using lately. Same one. (laughs) Love that one. Um, then I read different like inspirational quotes and I'm trying to like go through my list in my head of all the things I do. (laughs) Um, I also like read from good books. You know, I am a religious person. So I read from my scripture every single day. And, um, I, then I have a document that I've created that is the person that I want to become and all the things that I want to have and that I value. Mm -hmm. And I write them out like they've already happened, you know? So Mm -hmm. if you want a bigger house or you want a car, or you want to be able to be making this kind of money, or you want this kind of influence, like whatever it is, you write it out and then you write it as if it's already happened. And then you can take it to the next level and then you can record yourself reading it. So then you can just listen to it. And if you put music behind it too, then it gets even deeper into your subconscious. I'm writing this down because I'm like, I need to do this. It's, um, you know, it's so interesting. We have a, 
I have a tool that I use with clients called the future vision. It sounds like it's, you know, pretty much the exact same idea, but it's like a journal entry from the future when you've already accomplished. All oh yes. Yeah, so I love that. Yeah. And I love it because it's, it almost puts you in the, in the seat of like, who would I need to become Mm-hmm. in order to create these things. And then you start practicing it right now as yeah. if it already happened, as if you already are that person. But I love that idea of like recording it. That's like next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then it helps because then if you're really in a rush, like you can listen to it while you're like brushing your teeth or in the shower or something like that, you know, so you have no excuse not to do it every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as you look at the trajectory of your business, the growth that you're looking for and the, like the vision of what you want to create, like, what do you actually, like, what do you see as the next level of well-being for you or self-care for you? So I think it's, it's interesting because, you know, you always hear about like create vision boards and like do all this and have the pictures that you cut out of magazines and all of that, you know, and when all those things like started coming off. Like I got the house I wanted and I live in the city that I wanted. And like all these things started happening when, when you're first starting, it's really easy to say, these are all the things that I want. But once you accomplish those, the next part is like, okay, well, what's after that? Mm. You know, because a lot of the vision that you create after that, it's not so much about you. It's not about the things you have or the vacations that you want to take or anything like that. It's more about what's the impact that you want to make. And I think that's a lot harder to nail down and get a clearer vision on is that impact than like the car you want to drive. Mm, Yeah. Um, And I would assume you've probably done some of this work. Um, And so I'd just be curious for you, like, what does that look like for you? Like, what does that impact um, actually look like? So like I've written out a vision statement for my whole company and been like, okay, these are all the things in the next three years, what we want to accomplish. And we want to help a hundred women become six figure earners in their network marketing business. Mm. And like, everything is like focused on them. You know, I want to be able to change the face of network marketing. So people aren't seen as like the spammy weirdo and all of this, you know, the person that you see at a party and you're like, Oh, don't talk to me. I don't want to join your team. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. So like show them how they can really build a business around their unique gifts and talents and strengths and experiences incorporate all of that into their network marketing business and have that be the new norm. Like that's a big goal, like changing a, almost hundred and I think it's $130 billion industry. I want to change the face of it. I love that. Well, I think the thing about that kind of vision is at least what I've found is when it's big enough and juicy enough, you start to feel pulled towards it Mm -hmm. versus feeling like you're pushing towards something. Um, And so, you know, for me, it's been this consistent process of checking in with myself about where, like, what do I see as the patterns and the things that get me excited? Where is it that I'm actually looking to go? What's the impact that I want to leave and the impact, you know, that I want to have? And how can I start to um, really center all of my businesses, initiatives, like stuff that I'm up to around that core mission and like that core purpose um, so that it feels like I'm I'm almost like downloading the stuff mm-hmm. in a sense and it's coming through me versus me like like white knuckling it into existence, which I'm reliable to do, but isn't nearly as fun or exciting. Right. Well, and it's awesome when you get into that flow 
when things come through and like things come out of your mouth, you're like, that did not come from me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I think the well-being piece even is a really important component of that. Like I've noticed, you know, in the in the last couple of months, one of the big things for me has been realizing that I had <laughs> I had an addiction of sorts to overwhelm, like being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of stuff done, but it a lot of times came at the cost of my own um, you know, stress and anxiety and well-being. And now that I've started to take steps to limit that and give myself more space, I feel like now I'm having these more regular downloads, so to speak, or these more regular hits of inspiration and creativity where I'm like, oh, that would be really cool. Or, oh, I see how, you know, these pieces connect that I didn't see how they connected before. But I think a big piece of it is literally just creating the space Mm -hmm. to receive that sort of thing and like give yourself the space to be able to think that way. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. One thing that has helped me a ton with that is the uh, full focus planner. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like game changer. Mm. So it's uh, Michael Hyatt, I think is the guy who puts it together. Mm -hmm. But um, so he helps you pick what are your three like top goals for the week. And then each day you only focus on three things that will then accomplish that thing. Those three things for the week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by just focusing on that, that has helped me a lot to get out of the overwhelm. I feel like I'm doing awesome, you know, and with, I mean, I have four kids that I'm homeschooling and I'm running a business and we're growing and all of that. Like I have to like set boundaries and be like, okay, I can only work so much because I can be a workaholic because I love it so much. And so having those times where I'm like, okay, this is my non-negotiable. Like I'm done working at this time. And this is the time that I'm mom and I can spend time with my kids and things like that is really important. Well, it sounds like there's a, like the thing that I love in that is the idea of this is how I want my whole life to look, not just this is how I want my business to look. Right. Uh, And looking at, you know, how do you create everything that you want? Like, how do you have all of it? And likely you know, in, in, in the work that I do when I'm talking with people, it's not about doing anything more. Like it's more about who you're being in a sense Mm -hmm. or like where you're making decisions from and how you take better care of yourself. Um, like even from like a time management perspective, you know, I think time management is kind of a myth in a sense. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not about scheduling and nailing down exact time increments. It's about how do you take care of yourself so that you can show up powerfully? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I was even thinking the other day, like if I only had four, hours a day or like three hours a day to create the same level of results that I'm creating in my business right now? Like, what would I get rid of? What would I do more of? Like, it just, it calls forward a sense of focus um, and intention. So I, I love that. It sounds like an awesome, I'll have to look into that. Yeah. It's, I've been in like lots of different planners and it's the only one that like I've really stuck to. It's really good. Awesome. Um, Speaking of downloads and creative inspiration, um, one thing that I wanted to ask you about, um, if you're open to to talking about it, was the like your relationship with spirituality. Like I noticed, like a bit on your social media, um, some stuff about um, you know your religious beliefs and your sense of spirituality. So um, I'd just be curious, like, does that play a role in your business? Does that play a role in um, you know how you design your life, or just more generally, like what role that plays for you? So definitely how I run my whole life is based off of that. And at first I was really nervous to even like talk about it at all in my business or like let anybody even know like that I'm even spiritual because this is business. Like this is what we need to be, you know, but like in my personal life, it's a huge part of my life. Like I don't make any decisions before I pray about it. And like, I make sure like I'm teaching my kids about all of this and 
like I on like my org chart that I create for my my business like God is my CEO like it's a a, a partnership with him mm-hmm. you know and so the more that I've embraced that the more successful I've actually been mm, that's awesome um I'd be curious too like why do you think that is I think it's just because the more that that I'm open to sharing about that and to recognize where the inspiration does come from, like you just get more blessings for that. Mm, that's cool. It's um, so I, I, um, I myself don't, I don't practice any particular, you know, religion or faith, but I'm finding that I'm becoming more and more spiritual mm-hmm. and what I, it, you know, it's so cool to talk about the intersection of business and spirituality because I think that there are a lot of, there's so much overlap and there's so much opportunity in both of those things. Um, and I think the thing that I've noticed is just like this general sense of trust. Like I don't, I don't, I no longer feel the need to manage and control every single mm-hmm. thing, <laughs> like how it's going to yes. go or like plan for every eventuality or whatever it is. It's just easier to trust that <clears throat> the things that are going to need to be taken care of will be taken care of. Um, and that if I just continue to lean into the things that I'm excited about and being authentic and being vulnerable and, um, you know, bringing love and joy in, into the world in whatever form that is, like I will be taken care of in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, thanks for sharing that. Um, I, I hear a lot of like just trust and expansion and, um, karma in a sense. In that. Yeah. Well, and mm-hmm. really it's, it's turning your focus to something besides fear mm. and that's what it does, you know? Mm-hmm. So no matter like what you're turning towards, like if something, if it's faith, if it's God, if it's the universe, like whatever it is, mm-hmm. when you start putting, like you said, that trust in that, you're now no longer looking towards fear because you have hope. Yeah. And whenever we can look towards hope, it's going to always be better. It's um, reminds me at the beginning of this conversation, when we were talking about people becoming entrepreneurs and making the leap. Um, you know, I talk with a lot of people who are in more traditional corporate roles who feel stuck and they want to be doing something else. Um, but so often the thing that's stopping them from doing that something else is a fear of judgment or rejection or, you know, what happens if I go out and it doesn't work out the way that I want it to, or even counterintuitively, like what happens if it goes the way that I want it to, and I actually succeed and get what I want. Um, And so it's such an exciting conversation to have with people to take a look at, you know, what is it you're trying to create for yourself? And if fear is in the way, like if we actually remove that, and you're no longer making decisions from that place, like what then becomes possible for you. And for so many people, like the whole world just opens up um, when they stop focusing on fear and making decisions from fear and just more so come from a place of trust and love. So there's, I mean, there's so much power in that. Yeah. And one thing that um, like I've been trying to teach my kids and I teach my clients is actually your brain, like your brain can't tell the difference between fear and excitement Mm. because it runs on the same neural pathway. And so one thing that I have done is that I've trained myself instead of having fear, I can choose to be excited. Nice. Because you're you are the one that's telling your brain to do this, you know. So the way that I train myself to do it is 
I would think of something super, super exciting. So for me, it's standing in line at Tower of Terror at Disney World, because that is my favorite ride. (laughs) So I think about like the anticipation of like almost on that ride. And like, once I feel like that, like climax of like the most excited I can be, I squeeze my fist and I anchor that feeling in. So then anytime that I'm afraid to do something, I squeeze my fist and then I'm excited instead. And the best story about this is a couple weeks ago, we were at Disneyland and my five-year-old was terrified to go on the cars ride because mm. it was so fast and she didn't want to go. And so I was telling her about this and I'm like, you just got to try it. So I finally got her to come and she was standing like right there, like almost to get in the car. And she looked at me and she goes, mom, I'm scared, but I choose to be excited instead. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes. win. it's working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. That sense of conscious choice. And I also, it, it's cool like, cause it requires a level of awareness, I think, to be able to understand like, Hey, this physical thing that I'm about to practice is going to pay off later on mm-hmm. down the line. Um, I, um, the thing that came up for me, I do something similar. Um, I don't do it as much cause luckily it's been working, but when I, when I would overeat or when I would eat things that like weren't super great for me and I would feel really bad afterwards, I would literally sit there and in my brain associate how I was feeling with what I ate so that moving forward next time that I had the opportunity to do it, I was, I'd be like, Hey, I actually know what's going to (laughs) happen. You know, if I eat this thing, um, and you know, choose the healthier option or whatever it is. But, um, I think it requires like a level of wherewithal and awareness to be Mm -hmm. able to say in the moment, like, I'm actually going to use this as an opportunity to train, uh, you know, something that helps me be more successful instead of succumbing to the fear. Right. Um, which I think is incredibly important now, like given everything that's happening with the virus and with the shutdown and with whatever's to come in, you know, the next couple of weeks. And um, I know you and I were talking before we started recording about um, choosing how we'd relate to it and looking for the opportunity in it. So I'd love to hear from you, like, as you think about things that have happened and, you know, likely things that are going to continue to happen, um, like, how do you stay in a place of um, positivity and optimism? And like, what do you actually see as the opportunity in all this? Well, I see a lot of opportunity, especially because, I mean, and you probably know this too, with having an online business and stuff and the freedom that it brings, like it's opening those doors to so many more people that probably wouldn't have looked at it otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I'm super excited about that just because I know what it's done for me and my family. And so I'm excited that that's going to be an opportunity that other people are going to take. So, and to stay positive, it's just, I've had a lot of like ups and downs in my life. And like, I mean, my husband and I started a car dealership. We lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and almost lost our house because of it. Cause it was not the greatest thing, but mm-hmm. like people have asked me, would you go through that experience again? And I'm like, hands down, of course I would, because of the things that I've learned through that, you know, mm-hmm. we became way more close or relied on each other where we didn't really have that relationship before. And so the things that we've learned from that, like has propelled us to the success we've had now. Mm. And so when I look at like the situation we're in now, yes, it's not the most ideal, but there's going to be so many things Like we were talking about how I've seen friends be able to spend more time with their kids. And like, there's so many good things, like families are reconnecting and stuff. And like, that's the thing that gets me super excited because we're Mm. getting back to 
what we should be in the first place. You know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like a reset button. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The take a slight sidebar to the story, the story that you just shared around the car dealership that you started. Um, it's interesting. I was just in conversation on Monday with um, another guy who's going to be on the podcast and he was talking about a company that he started and that ended up um, that he was going to sell and it ended up completely failing and falling through. And he shared that he had almost a form of like business PTSD. Like he now, like there are long last, there have been long lasting ramifications about his comfort level with, you know, certain things in the business and how he approaches it. So um, I'm like super curious for you, you know, having gone through what I imagine could have been a a pretty traumatic and probably was a pretty traumatic experience. um, Like how, how did you, you know, heal from that? How did you, uh, you know, rise above that in a sense and like not have that, you know, now be the lens through which you're looking at your business now and business in the future? Well, I think that's where me being stubborn has really come in handy. <laughs> paying off. <laughs> yeah. So, because after that, like, I mean, it was my husband's dream to do this. And we talked about all the great things it was going to be. And it turned out not to be so much that way. And it was just like, well, I got to make something work. Like, this isn't going to be it, you know? And it's like, like someone telling me you can't run a business. And I'm like, well, watch me. Like, Mm. I'm going to do it. Mm. And so it was really the drive of like, I have to make this work. And I was in a place like, I mean, I had four little kids and we were talking about losing our house. And I would just imagine us living in a cardboard box under a viaduct somewhere. And I'm like, this is going to be my reality if I don't do something now. And so that Mm. was the thing that really like, propelled me and made it so like my business was successful, like right off the bat. Yeah, totally. Um, and have you noticed anything from like, um, like a mindset or like emotional mental, um, uh, perspective or lens, like, um, lasting effects from that? I'm, I think the, the thing that I, that I get curious about is like the, if there was any like healing that you felt like you needed to do or any like fears that needed to be, you know, quelled after that kind of experience, um, like how you, and maybe this is just an innate thing, but distance yourself and your own sense of self-worth from the, the failing of that business. Well, I think for me, I mean, I've always had a mindset coach. And the months that I didn't have a mindset coach, my business didn't do so well. So my husband's like, you always need a mindset coach. (laughs) So that has helped because there's been lots of things that has come up around that. But I think a lot of it, like at first it was just this like adrenaline push, you know? So I rode that way for a really long time. And then once like, because my goal was million dollar business, you know, so I kept riding that wave until I hit it and it took about 18 months. And then after that, like the adrenaline wore off and I was like, okay, well now what, Mm. you know? And that's when there was a lot, like I had, because it was, I had kind of distanced from myself from it. Cause I was like, that was my husband's business. This is my business, Mm. you know? And I Mm. helped him with that business and he's helping me with this business. So it was, it was different. So because of that, it was a difference enough that it wasn't like a sabotage, Mm. but there was a lot of things like, like letting my husband be a part of this business again, like, and subconscious like consciously I trusted him but subconsciously I didn't so I had Mm. to work through that you know yeah that I'd be curious about that too you know having a a partner who's also involved in the same business like how have you navigated that 
relationship? Um, like what have been the, you know, the things that you've had to work through? Um, like what's that experience like for you? Well, when I started this business, um, I had hired a business coach and he was $10,000 and I like, we were over a hundred thousand dollars in debt. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't tell my husband that I invested $10,000 into a business coach (laughs) and just went for it. And then it was a couple months later, like I had made the money back. And so I was, I told him about it and he, you know, he said that he was hurt over it, but he just wished that he would have told me so he could have been supportive in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so then like two months later, I invested in another business coach that was $30,000 and Ooh. didn't tell him. <laughs> Cause I'm like, this is not I'm business. I can do here. it. <laughs> we still are married. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like just working through that trust of like, cause I had this mindset of this is my business and I'm going to do what I want. Cause that's kind of been my personality. Mm-hmm. And so like, opening up to being able to talk to him about, okay, this is the decision I think I'm going to make. Do you think it's good? You know? And he knows that if I come to him and I talk to him, he's like, you know, you're just going to do what you want anyway. I'm like, I know, but <laughs> you're here, you're involved. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like on the very important things, like being able to listen to him, because there's been times where he will have been telling me to do something in the business for like a year. And he's like, this is what you really need to do. And then I'm like, I've been working with my mindset coach and she said to do this. And he's like, I've been telling you to do that for a year, you know? So working through that and like really listening to what he's saying instead of yeah. just being like, okay, I got this. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. It's like one of those things that just takes you like hearing it over and over again for mm-hmm. it to finally sink in and to be like, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I totally get that. Um, so in circling back around, so the, the current, space that we're in with everything that's happening and looking for opportunity. Um, yeah, I, I, I love your optimism because I think it's so incredibly important. And what I've noticed, you know, even in the last couple of days is like an oscillation of, um, like, Hey, everything's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Like, it's a really cool opportunity. And then like, Oh my God, everything's terrible. Like we're all screwed, you know, whatever it is. And this oscillation between these two and working to balance it out and, and be able to like set up structures for myself and support for myself to keep myself focused on the opportunity and, and, you know, staying optimistic. Um, and so, you know, I would be curious from a, from your perspective and for the people who are listening, like what would you tell someone who is a bit nervous um, and scared about the way that things might turn out? Like what would you tell them about looking for opportunity and finding opportunities for themselves? Well, one thing that has helped me to be able to stay positive is I've already played out worst case scenario in my head, Mm. you know, and I make the plan for that. And then I'm like, okay, well, what do I want instead? And then that's where I focus, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. and it, this works for really anything. Anytime like you're feeling overwhelmed and you have so much to do, most of the time you feel that way because you don't have a plan of how you're going to get things done. So when we're feeling scared about something, if we make a plan and we know it's going to happen, if, if worst case scenario happens, what's your plan? And you got that, that doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen, but then we can focus on, okay, what do we do want? What are the opportunities? Where can we look? And then that's where we focus. We've already calmed down our brains because it already has a plan. It knows what it's going to do. So mm-hmm. that way we're not living in this fear of the what ifs because yeah. that's what really helped. That's what spirals us, you know, is that what ifs. Mm, it's like 
looking at all of the scenarios that could happen so that you take the ambiguity out of the space. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think about, uh, I've probably had this experience where I'll be, it'll be during the day and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so many things that I have to do and I have all these things and they're all not going to get done and blah, blah, blah. And then I sit down and I actually look at my to-do list and I'm like, these, there's not that much stuff. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I can right. easily, you know, do these things. So like actually like articulating and calling out and saying like, Hey, here, you know, worst case scenario, here's what I would do. Other case scenario, here's what I would do. Um, and I, I love the piece of articulating it and calling it out because I think that, you know, totally understandably fear has a fear is a really strong gravity like a very strong gravitational pull um and i think it can be much harder to focus on the joy or the love or the positivity or you know whatever it is in any in any case so i think when left to our own devices and when done unconsciously we just get pulled into the worst case scenario thinking mm-hmm. um because <laughs> it's just, it's stronger. And so I love the idea of focusing on like, what's actually the best case scenario? Like Mm -hmm. what's actually the opportunity um, in this? I wrote down earlier today, if you can build a successful business during a pandemic or recession, you can build a successful business anytime. Mm -hmm. If you actually view this as an opportunity instead of a problem, like what's on the other side of it for you? Right. Well, and how many people who have businesses now that may be doing the thing that you want to do, that they're going to let fear take over. And it's just going to open up so much opportunity for you. And you get to go and serve those people that other people are too scared to. Yeah. I love that. Um, and so in, in you thinking about staying in that place, like rooting yourself in positivity, looking at best case scenario, you know, not getting sucked into worst case scenario, like what are the things that you are putting in place from maybe a support perspective or community perspective to help you stay rooted there? So the biggest thing is just pouring into my community as much as possible, bringing in the value. And this is what I'm telling them to do for their communities too, because like, um, in fact, I was on a call with a girl today and she's like, she helps moms be able to hide vegetables in food. So that way their kids get them. (laughs) Like that's her (laughs) But she's like, parents are not thinking about like making sure their kids are getting nutrition right now. They're just like trying to survive. So I'm like, okay ask your audience what they need and you show up wherever they need you to show up. Yeah. Because if you are showing up and you're being the stability that they need, then when things are good, they're still going to continue to look for you. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's like being, being the opportunity or being the spotlight in, in stable times, mm-hmm. um, which is incredible. And I think that, you know, that's, I, I, I'm finding too, that's actually the thing that helps me stay rooted in optimism is service. Mm-hmm. like actually going out and, and looking at like, where can I make an impact for people? Where can I hold space? And I feel so incredibly lucky to be at a place where I've done the inner work over the last couple of years to now be in a place where I can stay elevated above the fear and still get sucked into it occasionally and honor that and, you know, work through that. Um, you know, but for the most part have facility with it so that I don't get sucked into it and don't like let it run the show. Um, and I think that's definitely what I'm looking at now is how do I go out and support other people in realizing that, um, and supporting them in making it through this because ultimately we're all going to make it through it (laughs) and um we can either view it as a problem and you know let it um run the show or we can view it as an opportunity and practice who we want to become and the businesses that we want to build well this isn't the first time stuff like this has happened Mm -hmm. you know it's happened in like even though it was like a hundred years since the last big disease that came and like shut down the whole world but people's lives still went on. 
-hmm. great things still came out of it. Mm -hmm. And so when you focus on that, and I love the focusing on service because it's true. If we're focusing on ourselves and the fear we have and what happens to me, like that just gets us deeper into that pit. And -hmm. when we start focusing on other people, it, it helps us to pull out. So we're not in our heads all the time. Totally. And we don't feel alone. We don't feel like we're the only ones that are dealing with the fear and going through those pieces. Yeah. I love that. Amazing. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for being here and being on. Um, Where can people find you? So the best place to find me is probably I have a podcast as well, and it's called Authentic Influencer Podcast. So find me on there. And uh, I'm also on Facebook, just Brooke Elder. Nice. And I'll put all those links in the show notes. Um, What is a piece of wisdom that you will leave our listeners with to help them elevate themselves, their communities, and the world? So my favorite quote or mantra that I'm trying to live by right now is go about doing good until there's too much good in the world. Love that. It's like the focus on service, (laughs) focus on the positivity and the opportunity. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and the way that I like to close out these shows is with acknowledgement. So Brooke, are you open to me acknowledging you? Yes. Awesome. Um, Brooke, the, the first thing that comes up for me is like, you're like a bright ray of sunshine. Like, thanks for your radiance. Thanks for your positivity. Thanks for your energy. Like it's palpable. And I feel elevated and uplifted and more positive as a result. Um, So thanks for being that out in the world, especially with everything that we have going on now. I think that's needed more than ever. Um, Thanks for your joy and your levity. Uh, Thanks for your authenticity. Like, thanks for bringing all of you everywhere um, and continuing to call people forward into being more authentic in their businesses. I think it's incredibly important. It's a huge reason I started this podcast was how can I start to normalize these types of conversations and being more authentic with really inspiring entrepreneurs. So thanks for taking part in it. And also thanks for being an example of that in your community. Um, Thanks for your commitment and commitment to service. Um, Like I get that the reason that you're doing what you're doing is because you care so deeply about the people that you're serving and supporting them in creating the same things that you've created. And I also realized that it, there were parts of it that weren't easy. Like I, I just, I'm blown away by the story that you shared around the dealership that you started and you know, how you bounced back and, and where you are now. And I think that it's not something to be stepped over. Like that requires a huge amount of commitment and courage and willingness to continue on in the face of doubt and failure. So thanks for doing that and now being in a place where you can serve people who might be going through similar things. Um, and ultimately just thanks for your leadership. Like I get that from you, that that's just kind of innately who you are. Um, and I imagine that's, that's who you are for your community and for your teams and, um, for the people that you work with and mentor and consult. Um, so thanks for being an incredible example of being a heart centric leader and thanks so much for being on this show and taking the time. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. You're so welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this show and want to stay up to date on new episodes or other special offers, I'd invite you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if there's ever anything I can do to support you, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. See you next time.